Welcome everyone to Andy Here's the 70s, a show where we're trying to find the absolute best albums from the 1970s. This week we're taking a listen to the music of Cyrita Wright, or simply Cyrita, as she was most often referred. I'm your host Andy, and joining me as always, a dear friend of mine with whom I was uh, fortunate enough to go on a trip to Disney World with a few years ago, and uh, we all of course had a great time, but wouldn't you know it, as soon as we set foot in the Magic Kingdom, he made a beeline straight for the teacups. Because that's just how much he loves spinning and spinning and spinning around. Aaron Keck, how you doing, Aaron? That was a reach. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Look, you know, it's always... I am glad that you brought up that song, because I got a thing to say about that song later. <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was one that stood out to me early, and I was like, you know, I think I can make this one work. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> while, yes, it was quite a long walk, uh, you know, I think it was the, the journey was worth it, I think. Yeah, yeah. M- much like the journey across the Magic Kingdom to the teacups, because that ride is legit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it all works out. It's all part of the same story, you know. Uh, well, I think it's fair to say that both of us probably heard of Cyrita for the first time, thanks to our Stevie Wonder episode. Uh, but please, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong. But any, are there any artists kind of in this wheelhouse that you kind of uh, are fans of or grew up listening to or familiar with, that kind of thing? I mean, as it turns out, Sarita, um <laughs> I was totally unfamiliar with her work. I didn't know her name. We talked about her in the Stevie Wonder episode. I'm like, all right, I'll sit down and listen to these albums and i'm listening to the albums never heard of it never heard of it never heard of it and then we'll talk about this song when we get to i assume the end because this is a late 70s song but with you i'm born again which is the one she did with uh billy preston mm-hmm. uh and i was like okay I'm, I'm not familiar with this title and i start playing it and instantly I'm like oh this song yeah i like this song i've not heard this song in probably 30 years, but it used to be all over my mom's light rock station when I was growing up in the 80s and riding with her in the car. Like, yeah, this takes me back. Yeah, I thought that might be, if if anything was going to be, you know, make an appearance back then, I think it probably would have been that one. So that makes sense. And then but- I guess other than that, maybe like Chaka Khan is a bad analogy, but like Chaka Khan has... There is there is there's a certain subset of Chaka Khan songs that are like light R and B, soft R and B, and that's probably the closest in terms of the artists that we've covered at least, which are the ones that I'm kind of running through my head on right now. Like that's about as close as we've gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, right. I'm, I'm having a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know she kind of fits in with other sort of Motown artists at the time. I think, but I think it's certainly clear, and we'll hear it soon from you know from working so closely with Stevie that I think, and around this time in the seventies, uh, she and and Stevie and other Motown artists are starting to kind of get more uh, experimental, branch out a little yeah, bit from yeah. the traditional ooh, sound. Ooh, actually, I got it. Um, mm-hmm. Sarita is is a is a softer. Chaka Khan, but she's more of an upbeat, disco-y, higher tempo Roberta Flack. She's halfway mm. between those two. Is that yeah. is that fair? I think that's fair. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a good Venn diagram. I think. <laughs> I could definitely see like an up tempo, slightly disco-y Sarita cover of the first time ever I saw your face. That would that would be quite good. Yeah, I think she probably. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good. She just well, you know, we're, we'll get to it. But she's good at at reinterpreting songs. I think too. Yeah. So that that would be a, a good one. But uh, well, let's dive into her to her story here. She was born in uh, Pittsburgh uh, in August 1946, shared a talent for singing as early as four, 
father sadly tragically killed in the Korean War. So she's raised by her mother and grandmother from that point, bouncing between South Carolina and Michigan before settling in Detroit uh, to go to high school. And actually initially uh, wanted to pursue a career in ballet, but uh, the cost of training was too high. So that's when she took a job as a receptionist over at Motown at age 19. Uh, made moves within the building pretty quickly, moves over to A&R, part of the talent scouting team, and in 67, at age 21, gets to cut a single for the first time uh, under the name Rita Wright, uh, uh, written by Ashford and Simpson, a couple tunes from them uh, that the Supremes had turned down, called uh, I Can't Get Back the Love I Feel for You and Something on My Mind, both of which uh, Diana Ross did eventually decide to record for her, some of her later solo, solo albums. Uh, but... And in fact, speaking of her, when, when Diana Ross left the Supremes in 69, Sarita was actually considered as her replacement, but ultimately, ultimately uh, Jean Terrell would take the spot for a few years at least. Uh, but not to worry, though, because right around this time, Stevie Wonder hears those singles she cut, decides that he wants to kind of collaborate with her. They co-write uh, the tra- title track for Science Seal Delivered. They also write the Spinner's hit It's a Shame. And then uh, the two were married in September of 70. So together they co-write every song on Wonder's next album, Where I'm Coming From, as you can hear uh, her vocals on If You Really Love Me, the biggest single from that album. I collaborated for Stevie's next album, Music of My Mind, but uh, around that time they also begin to work on Sarita's solo debut album, which she opens up with a version of a song from Music of My Mind, I Love Every Little Thing About You. Uh, We'll hear a little bit of that song, then we'll discuss that album. on this song at all but this is one of my favorite sarita songs only because of the bass the like especially the intro like that intro is so cool yeah definitely i I think i think uh 
what is it about the voice that you don't like? I think because I think I actually do actually no like the voice is, the voice is fine. Uh, what I don't love is I love I love I love no. I love every little thing. Like it's it's the chorus. It's just so like goofy. I don't uh-huh. like goofy. <laughs> I think it's I think it kind of work. I don't know. It works for me. I ended up and maybe it's just because I've listened to it more times at this point. Maybe, but I liked this version better than Stevie's version. I think because probably it is a little more. Uh, it is a little bit goofy, a little bit, but it also is. It has that cool, funky bass. It has a good groove. I think she's, on this album in general, having a lot of fun. And I think yes. that comes through. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the bass, the bass makes this song legit. Like, this is... I'm not going to spoil whether this is in my top five or not. I will say <laughs> that I, I very strongly considered this one for my top five only because of the bass at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah, it's a cool way to start, not just the song, but the record, too. But the whole album, that. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and we've got to also talk about the other one of the other covers on here, the Beatles song, She's Leaving Home. What did you think of that one? I thought that was all right. That mm-hmm. was That's a fine cover of a song that, honestly, I don't like anyway. Like That's one of the songs <laughs> off of Sgt. Pepper that I listen to, and as I'm listening to it, I'm asking myself why Sgt. Pepper is considered such a great album in the first place, because I just don't really like that song very much. So her cover of it, it was fine. Like, I, I liked the cover. It's just not a it's just not a song that I would choose to cover if I were Sarita. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, I think I was thinking about it, too, as far as like Beatles cover songs. Obviously, there's a ton of them at this point. And what's interesting, this is only five years after that song, which is kind of yep. crazy to think about. Um, but I think this is actually kind of the perfect song you would want to cover because it's not like one of the marquee songs. I think that right. gives you room to kind of make it your own in a way. Interpret it in a bunch of ways. Although, honestly, yeah. like a lot of the great covers of the 60s are reinterpretations of really big songs. Like the Birds made such a career out of that. Peter, Paul, and Mary made such a career out of it. Like they're taking songs that are huge songs mm-hmm. and we're still going to reinterpret them and make them our own. Joe Cocker's going to do this in the 70s. So like right. taking big songs and, and, and changing them up anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think this one though, I think it gives you a little bit more freedom because because it's not one that you, everybody's going to be... Uh, obviously, this is one of their biggest albums, so everybody's heard this song a million times, but right. it is one that is not like one of the one of the first ones you would think of. So hearing it, I think, reinterpreted this way is kind of cool. And I, I dig the, like... It's, it is also goofy, again, but Stevie on the talk box doing the, like, backup vocals. The talk think, box was cool, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fun. And obviously, yeah. very 70s. Oh, yeah. Very 70s and very Stevie Wonder, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But so that that was a fun one. I, I liked that one a lot. Um, and the other one, which I actually didn't even realize was a cover till afterwards, but What Love Has Joined Together, the song after she's leaving yep. home. That's a good one. Yeah, that one originally Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. But because uh, this was one of my favorites when I was listening to it. And I then when I saw it was a cover, I looked up the original because I was like, oh, do I just like the original? But no, actually, her version is, I think, really good and, and an improvement over what is kind of a basic song to me. This is not going to wind up being my number one Sarita album when we do the rankings, but it's definitely the one that to me is the most consistent, like from start to finish. My number one mm-hmm. album has higher highs and lower lows than this one. This is start to finish. Like every song on this album is solid, right? Yeah. Uh, none that stand out as like, oh, I, I love this song and I want to keep coming back to it over and over again, but it's just a really good 
debut album for a really talented performer who's still kind of finding her voice but having a hell of a lot of fun doing it yeah definitely i think it's this is a a good way to establish kind of where she's coming from what she's interested in doing and yeah just a good song sequence from start to finish i think there's not a bad song on here which one was your favorite on here do you think Ooh, you have mentioned two of my three favorites already. Uh, <laughs> I love every little thing and what love is joined together. Uh, the third song that I've that I had on my list of will this make my top five is towards the end of the album. Baby, don't, you let, don't baby, don't you let me lose this? Mm-hmm. That's a good which, one too. Yeah, is also a nice song because it's a little bit shorter. Like it's in, it's out. It makes its point, and it, it and it, it it goes away. Which is we've talked about this before. Like I don't I don't like a song that overstays its welcome, and this one does not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best Sarita songs, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in future albums. Like to me, the best Sarita songs are either the ones that get in, get out, make their point, and go away. Like "Baby, Don't You Let Me Lose This" is like two and a half minutes long, uh, and the other really great Sarita songs are the ones that build. Um, we'll get to this in a later album, but there's a couple of songs later on that start slow and then just get bigger and bigger and more like disco-y and she lets her voice go and those are fantastic songs as well um but this is this is in that first category for me Mm -hmm. i think uh you know i think we talk a little bit about her voice i do think she has a good voice but you're right that i don't think i think there are better showcases for it later yes yeah then but this is still uh this is almost more about her style than her performance i think in this one right that's kind of the vibe i get from it but uh Syreta and Stevie would uh, get divorced after this in 1972, but would remain on good terms, collaborating further on Wonder's next album, Talking Book, uh, where Syreta co-wrote two songs, uh, Blame It on the Sun and Looking for Another Pure Love. Uh, She doesn't have any credits on Inner Visions, but they would collaborate further on Syreta's next album, whose title really screams, maybe you weren't paying attention before, because (laughs) in uh, June of 1974, Stevie Wonder Presents Syreta is released. Uh, I think it's... Pretty much, I mean, I pretty much have to play Spinning and Spinning after re- referencing it at the beginning. So at this let's take, point, yeah. we'll take a listen to that and then we will talk about her second album. Okay, I am morally opposed to this song. 
<laughs> wow, go on. Because the title is spinning and spinning uh-huh. with an apostrophe instead of the G, and she pronounces the G very clearly in the chorus, which you do not do if your song is called spinning and spinning. There is no G <laughs> in spinning. Sarita should know better. You know, I did notice that as well the first yeah. uh, time I listened to it. <laughs> I can't notice anything else. Because you, I mean, you clearly hear the G. She hits the G in the yeah. spinning. But uh, yeah, I did well, think and, that was and you funny. Can, and you can do that. But then your song is called Spinning and Spinning. And that would make it okay. But yeah. you're trying to be cute <laughs> with the title. You got to be cute with the vocals as well. And I think one thing about this album in particular, especially the first side, is it is trying to be a little cute, right? Mm. I think that's kind of uh, the overall thing about this first one. I mean, Spinning and Spinning. Uh, Your Kiss is Sweet, the song right after this, uh, I think it's very funny, mostly because it, it she dedicates it right at the beginning by saying, to all the fellas who think your kiss is sweet as candy, but honey beats you by a million. Like she just says yep. the chorus as yeah. she's dedicating the song, which I think more, sh- more songs should do, frankly. I mean... <laughs> Because you intro the song, but your introduction tells you what the song is going to say, yeah, and then you exactly. say it, and then in your conclusion, you say what the song said. Yeah, it's yeah. basic essay format. <laughs> this this song goes out to everyone who gets knocked down, but gets back up again. <laughs> They're never going to keep you down. I don't know why that's the first that came to my head, but... <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. In conclusion, I am a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. <laughs> yeah. This one goes out to Billie Jean, who's not my lover, but she's just a girl who thinks that I'm the one. The kid's not my son. There we go. But every song on here is either written by Stevie or both of them. Almost 50-50 split, really. But um, I think, like I said, the first half, I think, is kind of almost like bubblegum pop sounding. But mm. I think the second half is actually really what where it comes together for me. I think the second half is, is really good. Heavy Day, in particular, is a great song. Mm-hmm. And because we've and it's, and it's a heavier song, like it's weightier, right? Yeah, and then uh, th- there's a little song sequence of like um, uh, waiting for the postman when your daddy's not around into I want to be by your side, which I think is all that's a great little sequence of songs. I want to be by your side too. The first appearance of GC Cameron of the Spinners, which she would collaborate with later uh, yep. as well. But uh, so yeah, what what were some of your favorites on this one? I didn't have too many favorites. Heavy Day is the one that stands out for me. Come and Get This Stuff is another one that, that stands out a little bit, but not quite as much. And mm-hmm. Spinning and Spinning would be totally fine if she just pronounced it right. <laughs> yeah. Or spelled it or spelled the title Or spelled it differently. Yeah. Either, you can make a choice one way or the other, but you got you got to make a choice. You can't try to have it both ways. One of, uh, as we mentioned Shaka Khan earlier, uh, Come and Get This Stuff is one that Stevie actually originally had brought to Shaka Khan and Rufus. Uh, but she ended up turning it down in favor of "Tell Me Something Good," uh, which she also wrote for them. Uh, so this one—that's this one—ends up with Sirita. But I think uh, I, I think they're the right choice on both ways. I think she does. Sirita does a great job with this song, and obviously, "Tell Me Something Good" is a great Rufus song. I think definitely Chaka and Rufus made a good choice with "Tell Me Something Good." I I, I kept getting the impression, like listening all the way through these albums that Sarita was taking and we've already talked about this on a couple different occasions where this was the case like Sarita would get the songs that had already been presented to other bigger artists and been rejected so they're like well this is still a solid song uh Sarita what do you think yeah we'll do it let's go yeah yeah that's true she's kind of like you know almost picking up the leftovers uh, of kind Motown. of right like, yeah 
but uh, I think which is unfortunate because she's got a really good voice and like this yeah. album all of these albums are very well produced the songs for the most part are not super memorable and it's not like she's a bad songwriter like she has been involved in writing like Sign Seal Delivered that's an all-timer like all of these songs that she wrote and co-wrote with with Stevie that ended up on Stevie's albums like she's talented as a songwriter she knows she knows her stuff uh but she always like in terms of the quality of the songs that she's doing just seems to keep getting the b material and trying to make the best of it which on a couple occasions she really does yeah definitely i, I wonder what it is if there's like i you know I, I can certainly imagine uh, between some of the big names at motown that there's a, a hierarchy of who's getting oh, I'm uh, sure the, you I'm know sure preference over the others but go uh, to diana ross first and then yeah. chaka khan yeah i can mean, see how that goes but certainly I, I think yeah she obviously has the talent and ability to be uh, you know as big as some of those so it's i think it's another case of and why i kind of wanted to listen to her too is one of those like there's not a lot of talent here why isn't she any bigger you know mm. which i don't have the answer for necessarily but clearly she's still very talented uh and other you know other people would notice like uh your Kiss is Sweet, actually, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, was covered uh, a couple years later by a very young Bjork uh, in Icelandic. Oh, I didn't uh, see that. <laughs> yeah, she, like a seven-year-old Bjork put out a little album of covers, one of which was Your Kiss is Sweet. Wow. And if you listen to it, it I mean, it sounds like Icelandic kids bop is like what it sounds like. <laughs> It's Which I'm sure is exactly funny. what it was. Did she translate it into Icelandic or did someone else do it for her? Like, how did that work? I'm not sure. Somebody probably did it for her, I'm guessing. I but, mean, it's uh, Bjork. I can imagine I can imagine a seven-year-old Bjork, like, taking a song and translating yeah. it into Icelandic. <laughs> I can I do, would not put that past her at all. It's true. Yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't assume. But I, I do. Uh, you could certainly put a picture of seven-year-old Bjork at the record shop digging through the crates and <laughs> pulling out Stevie Wonder Presents Sirita and then taking yeah. it home. I will translate this all into Icelandic because there is nothing else to do in Iceland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am not a tourist. I have already seen all of these things. I've eaten the shark. I've seen the fjords. <laughs> yeah. Now it's time for Cyrita. <laughs> the next step. Uh, but 1975, after this was a busy year for Cyrita, she went to Ethiopia for a few months, worked as a transcendental meditation teacher. She also got married, this time to session musician and songwriter Curtis Robinson Jr., and recorded some backup vocals for Ordinary Pain for Stevie's upcoming songs in the Key of Life. Uh, and also in 74, sang on uh, Heaven's Ten Zillion Light Years Away, one of my favorites uh, from Stevie. Uh, but she and Robinson began preparing for the next solo album, this time largely without Stevie for the first time. Uh, she would handle production along with Robinson and Motown producer uh, Leon Ware. From 76 to 77, they all worked on what would become One to One, released in February of 77. I'm going to play a little bit of one of my favorites from it, I Don't Know, and then we'll discuss that album.
See, this is one of those ones that builds. Mm -hmm. This is one of the this is one of the ones I was talking about earlier. Like it starts slow, by the end, like she's belting, she's doing great. Like the song is picking up. Like this is this is the like roller coastery build to a climax song that I like. Yeah, this song. This is a great song, and I think uh, perfect. Like I don't know, perfect album play. This is another well sequenced album. I think the all the songs really work well together, uh, and I think it shows. You know. Obviously, she's kind of in the shadow of Stevie Wonder, very literally on the second one, and but on the first one as well. And I think this kind of shows that she still can do it without him, right? Yep. Uh, what are some of your other favorites on this one? Uh, I like the first two. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, and one to one. Those are those are the two standouts for me. And this is this is the album that I was also referring to. That's got the higher highs and the lower lows. I don't think this album is as consistent as her debut. Uh, I think yeah. One to One and I Don't Know are both fantastic songs, and the rest of the album is fine at best. Uh, but those mm-hmm. two songs are great, I think, and they make the whole album for me. Yeah. And the one the one cl- uh, contribution from Stevie, uh, Harm or Love, the second-to-last song, was actually kind of a holdover from Stevie Wonder Presents. Yeah, uh, uh, which might even be the weakest track on the album. I don't know. What I th- do you think? Yeah, I was expect. I was hoping that one would be better than it was. It's fine. It's not mm-hmm. bad. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely did not like that one nearly as much as like the the songs that kick this album off. Yeah, I think that's weirdly the one that kind of stands out as the weakest to me. But I do like it. I do like its placement on the record still because it, I like an album that kind of ends on an upbeat note. Yeah, which, you know, you have the one to one reprise at the very end. But I like that this one's kind of a more up up tempo kind of uh tropical almost uh, sounding song i'm glad with the way they put this album at the back <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. the song yeah, and then if you don't want to hear it you just cut it off and you stick it on the, the end it. yeah rewind the tape you don't need this one yeah uh but uh the other one of the other ones i really liked was um uh which one the, the other one don't cry i think was another good one that's a great ballad with another yeah. great saxophone part, both of which were by Gary Burtz, his sax on, uh, I don't know either. But uh, yeah, the, there's a lot of, I think there's a good variety on here too that still, uh, it keeps the album interesting throughout. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, but yeah, uh, like you said, I think this is a really, con- It's if, if not as consistent, it's still, like you said, has pretty high highs and shows that uh, she is more than just a muse for Stevie Wonder at this point, which I think is important. Hundred percent. This is going to be our shortest episode ever, <laughs> oh, yeah. and we're almost done. <laughs> well, I'm going to put. I'm going to include a lot of music. I think we'll really uh, get to hear the wide breadth of of talent that she has. Uh, because yeah, I mean, this is only four albums that we're listening to, we'll, and the same one. This next one, Sarita was busy in '77 because the next album we're going to talk about was released later that same year with the aforementioned GC Cameron, a, a duet record. By the name of Rich Love, Poor Love. I'll play a little bit of that opening track and then we'll dive right into that one. You know, I, I thought I'd never see you 
can change all that, can't we? Well, now, see, I know that you've got somebody, because I've got somebody, too. But we're not happy, and we'll never have happiness. Not until you and me get back together. Oh, we need each other. We've got to have each other. Come back to me, baby. Come back. I don't think you really you don't see many duet albums these days anymore. I mean, so I think, everything Lady Gaga is doing these days. I was gonna, she's it. maybe the only one, but uh, she might be the only one. Yeah. Uh, this. What did you think of this one? Because I think this one was maybe was probably my least favorite. Not to give it away too early, but um, what I thought about this album was, eh. yeah, yeah. I I do not think this album needs to happen. <laughs> I think. They their voices I think do work well together. So I think yeah, that... they're both they're both fine. Again, it's like this. It's not about the quality of the singing. It's not about the quality of the musicianship. It's like none of the songs stand out. Yeah, that is very much what it is. Because I think it, it took probably you know I listened to each each of these five or six times at least, uh, but this is the one where I had to deliberately listen to it again, going like, okay, now what song is this that's coming up? <laughs> exactly like, right. Yeah. Now, do as someone who works at the radio station, does Station Break for Love did that speak to you uh, specifically at all? No, not even that one. No. <laughs> like, wow. uh, and and as someone who works at a radio station, I can tell you one hundred percent that when we take a station break, it's to go back into the back room and fill up our coffee cup. There's no love involved in those <laughs> station breaks. We are taking an actual break to just chill and not like in a netflix and chill way but just like (laughs) i don't need to talk for the next two minutes you can listen to uh someone someone promoting uh the the local real estate company maybe maybe in the 70s there were radio stations where station break for love was the netflix and chill equivalent possibly look i'm gonna let this play for a minute i'm gonna meet you in the back and then uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens oh a minute johnny (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah, I think the sad thing is it is kind of a forgettable album, right? Yeah. I th- some of the songs, there's a good variety, I think. I think they try to at least say, okay, it, almost the Luther Vandross method of like, okay, how many different ways can we write a love song, right? Ex- yeah, yeah. Because I, I think for this one, there are seven songs, eight songs on here. 
uh, I think only two of which don't have the word love in there. And props to this album, because as creative as Luther Vandross had to get in his long career of writing song after song with the word love in the title and the chorus, I don't think he ever got to the rabbit hole of station break for love, <laughs> which that's a reach. Yeah, it is. It is a reach for sure that he never had to make. We're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification and hoochie coochie. <laughs> Turn to your partner next to you and give him a kiss. Because <laughs> that's all the time you have. <laughs> make it a quick one. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that's kind of a bummer as far as like the f- the fourth of four albums we're going to listen to for this one to be kind of the end of that one uh is you know it is what it is i suppose but uh at least it, it's it also makes sense that it is the same year as one to one because i feel like you get you got all the good stuff out of the way on one to one and then you're like oh also i guess I, we have this uh duet record that we can record yeah but after rich love poor love she would record the aforementioned uh, oh, well, not, well, aforementioned last week, anyway, Come Back as a Flower for Stevie Wonder's uh, Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants. Uh, and then, after that, collaborate with Billy Preston for the soundtrack for the movie Fast Break, uh, 1979. And I was tempted to include that as a fifth album for this episode, but it really only exists as LPs and 8-tracks from that year. So not really a practical album to cover. What is uh, the movie about? It's about a, a guy putting together a basketball team. Uh, it's the the film debut of um, the guy who plays Cotter and Welcome Back, Cotter. What's what's that? Oh, Gabe name? Kaplan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem to be well remembered at all. In fact, uh, there was a, a, Gabe Kaplan's starring vehicle is not well remembered <laughs> yeah, at all. Believe it or not, didn't make many waves in the in the cinematic pantheon. All but, right, uh, all right. Uh, e- Roger Ebert of the time said. Uh, that we've seen this formula before so often that Fast Break is almost like a rerun. And even the director, Jack Smite, is quoted as saying it was a very funny and profitable film. <laughs> so that's... Uh, All right. It, you know, it did the trick for him, and I think everybody moved on after that. Um, but Motown Records did put out the soundtrack, which Billy Preston and Cyrita collaborated on. Uh, two of those songs uh, did end up uh, as bonus tracks on the expanded edition of those t- of their 1981 du- duet album, uh, so which is the title or the theme for the movie "Go for It," and the big single we mentioned with you, "I'm Born Again," ended up becoming her biggest hit, being at number four on the Hot 100. Uh, we'll take a little bit of a listen to that song, and then we can uh, close out our time with her talking about that one. Comfort me through all this madness Woman, don't you know with you I'm born Show me your kindness in your 
Yeah, this song is just a great, like, early 80s soft rock. Just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of a, uh, what's the word? Like, an archetype. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. it's Like, just, this is what early 80s soft rock was and aspired to be. Like, it's this song. It's it's a great song. I love it. Yeah, this is, this would become certainly the template for the soft rock duet ballad, I guess, right? Oh, yeah. But I think, you know, with that... Uh, you know, and maybe because it, be, it is the template, uh, it felt still a little like, I don't know, it didn't fully impress me. <laughs> I don't think, I didn't really recognize it for once. I was surprised by that because it was, like you said, it ended up making a fairly big dent, I think. Yeah. But, but uh, I don't It's think... also not necessarily the template because you can go back in the 70s and find a whole lot of other songs that sure. also kind of fit this same format. Uh, Evergreen from A Star Is Born, I don't think is a... Mm. a, a I want to say is just Barbara Streisand and it's not a duet, but it might as well be um, kind of along that same soft rock line. And that's just the first song that's popping into my head as soundtrack hit soft rock. My mom's light rock station. Like there were a lot of songs like that <laughs> yeah. in the seventies and eighties. True. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily breaking new ground, but it maybe it was right. a, a prime example of what the template was. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I'm glad that it got her some some of her biggest success, and probably got people to check out the back catalog as well. Uh, but yeah, for me, I, I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I there's so many songs from these albums that I like better than this one that I wish were her biggest hit that maybe weren't. But ultimately, I, I, what do you think as far as uh, you know? We've got her now on two different duets. Who do you think she pairs better with, Billy Preston or Jason Preston. Cameron? Oh you think so? God, Preston, a thousand percent. I feel and like, if and if we're if we're really ranking, uh, number one Stevie Wonder, number sure. two Billy Preston, number six GC Cameron. <laughs> uh, to be, it's funny. I think uh, I think uh, GC Cameron for me. I think he might be the better singer anyway. Maybe, but but also like with you, I'm born again is not a is not a vocalist showcase either. Like Billy true. Preston's a really good singer. You don't really get to see him like belting it out and really reaching his range on on that particular song just like sarita like you can you mm-hmm. can hear her on a song like one to one or i don't know where she really showcases what she can do you don't get that on with you on born again just because it's not that kind of song yeah that's definitely true but uh and i did go ahead and listen to their 81 duet album which uh i think is also just fine you know yeah. there, there is uh, it also has a decent variety of types of duets and stuff and it does since it's 81 now you know it's starting to sound more like an 80s album right but uh ultimately yeah i think it's it's still sort of you know how many ways can you really spin this uh this love duet but uh i'll talk about more i, I think uh for the blog post for this episode i'm going to dig into sarita's 80s output just to to kind of wrap it up because she does her uh 
let's see her 1980s uh, release she, she releases another eponymous album featuring some new versions of sign steel delivered and blame it on the sun uh along with a couple more billy preston duets she backs up uh let's see as if you read my mind from hotter than july on stevie wonder's album 81 she releases another that, that duet album i talked about with preston and then in 83 releases her final solo album the spell which barely exists anymore I, you i think it might i'm probably gonna have to watch it on youtube I, that's the only one i haven't heard yet because it's not wow. on any format really anymore no it's not streaming anywhere these ones i'll admit i was able to get a cd of um the first two albums which in 2004 they put out a cd that has both of them on it uh which is kind of cool and it has some good liner notes about uh Sarita's kind of career at this point and is numbered there's only 5,000 of these apparently so that was kind of wow. cool uh, Adam. yeah but then the other two i was i have my eye on in case they ever become a reasonable price but like they're even not really expensive but every copy is in japan now it turns out so it's like 20 dollars shipping to get this uh like do i really want to pay 40 dollars for this gc cameron duet album i, I have to <laughs> i have to kind of wait for that to drop in price a little bit i think right right but uh so yeah so i don't quite have all four of them in my collection yet but uh, I was excited to get the first two on this kind of dual dual set. But uh, she would uh, divorce Robinson in 82 and then marry a third time, have two children. Uh, she also then played Mary Magdalene in the touring cast of Jesus Christ Superstar from 1993 to 95, which is kind of interesting. I could see that. And then uh, she appeared sporadically as a background singer on Stevie Wonder's records, including On Circle Square, The Jungle Fever soundtrack. Uh, but sadly passed away from complications related to breast cancer in 2004 at age 58. But legacy lives on not just in her loving family, but also the great music we heard here today. Uh, which brings us now to our rankings for Cyrita. Let's uh, let's first rank the four for the uh, the four albums of hers, and then we'll get into our top five. I think we're probably we might have this, there might be a lot of overlap here. I'm excited to see what we've got in terms of in terms of albums. Uh... Do you want to go together on this? Because I think our, our rankings might be close to identical. Number four is Rich Love, Poor Love. Correct. Yes. Number four for Num- me, Rich Love, Poor Love. By, by a mile. Number three is Stevie Wonder Presents. Yeah, same for me. Number two is Sirita. Here, here's where we diverge. I have oh, to. you got one-to-one as number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my number one is one-to-one. And again, like they're they're close to each other because one-to-one has those yeah. two great songs and then the rest of it is fine. Sarita is more consistent, but without the super high highs. So I could go either way on that. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think I liked the kind of... the Her debut is a little, you know, it's a little funkier, a little more playful, which I ended up liking a little better. But yeah, I mean... One to One has some of my favorite songs of hers still. So I think those are by far the two standouts. And like we said, Rich Love, Poor Love is the weakest of the four by far. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's not a big gap. You know, it's not like the, these are the first, these, the top two are definitely the top two. But I think Stevie Wonder Presents Cyrita still has so many good songs, especially oh, yeah, that back half. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think the, the big gap is from three to four, not from two to three. I mean, it would possibly be like a three-way battle for first place if she just dropped the G from spinning and spinning. I mean, let's <laughs> yeah, it could be, be real clear about how much that ruined the entire album. <laughs> I know. I wonder what the what a chain reaction of events that would have set off if that's if that's a Grammy winner without the G. <laughs> I know her career could have won so many Grammys. <laughs> yeah, so many Grammys. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> All right, well, let's get uh, let's get into our top five t- Sarita tracks. Why don't you count yours down first? 
Uh, number five, I had to go back and forth on which track from the Sarita album uh, cracked my number five, and I ended up going with Baby Don't You Let Me Lose This as number five. Okay. Honorable mention to I love every little thing and what love is joined together. All three are closed, but baby don't let baby don't baby don't you let me lose this is definitely number five. Nice. Uh, number four, heavy day off of Stevie Wonder presents. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Number two is one to one. Those first two tracks off of that album. We are going to disagree on number one because I really like with you, I'm born again. So I will put oh. that as my number one. Uh, whereas I don't think that's going to make your top five. But we'll no, see. that one that one did not crack the top five for me. But uh, we do have a little and bit I of get that. Like the, I mean, honestly, there's a nostalgia factor for me because that's one of those where like the song starts and you're like, oh, I recognize that. And just that hit of recognition mm-hmm. will bump it up 10 points in anyone's estimation, I think. So there's there's a little bit of that as well. Yeah. And it, it is, you know, like we said, it's a classic version of that song, of that type of song. And I have to imagine, like, I'm likely never going to watch Fast Break, but it sounds like the perfect song to play over the credits of a movie. Exactly, from that, yeah. You know? So... Because I'm sure Gabe Kaplan falls in love with, I don't know, the principal or something who's like really <laughs> hard nosed, but eventually grows to appreciate the value of sports and athletics and academics and then falls in love with Gabe Kaplan in spite of the fact that he's, I'm sure, some schlub and then they win the championship or finish second, but he gets the girl anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all probably. Baby, don't you know with you I'm born again. I have to assume that's exactly how it all plays out. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I'll never watch it. So in my head, that is how it plays out. You don't have to. Well, for me, my number five, I started with uh, She's Leaving Home. I think that's a cool cover. 
that right. uh, ended up being one of my favorites. Uh, number four, I go uh, also to St- uh, Stevie Wonder presents Cyrita, but I liked because we've ended as lovers. Uh, I thought okay. that was a cool ballad that you know obviously has a lot of resonance between her and Stevie, but uh, uh, yeah, that was one that I liked a lot, and it kind of kicks off that song cycle at the second side that I think is really good. For number three, I have Don't Cry from One to One, another strong ballad. Two, I have What Love Is Joined Together from uh, Sarita. Okay. And number one for me from one to one is I Don't Know. Yep. That, I think that's just a fantastic song. All right. So consensus on I Don't Know probably being her best song. Then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great song. That's that's one. If I'm going to take one song away from all this, that's going to be that song. Yeah. 
Oh, and we yeah, and we had the same practically the same album rankings. I, I still think uh, Sarita edges it out slightly, but yeah, one to one, very good. Uh, if you want more Sarita, like I said, I think I've got my thoughts on her '80s output on the blog acton.wordpress.com, acton.wordpress.com. Follow uh, us on Twitter at Andy Hears It, Facebook.com/slash/AndyHearsIt. Email us at AndyHearsIt at gmail.com. Rate and review the pod. Tell your friends, all that good stuff. And tune in next time. We have a very special Father's Day edition of the show where I talked to my dad about one of his favorite bands of the time growing up, Genesis. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Thank you to Cyrita for the wonderful music. Thank you to everyone out there listening. And of course, thank you to Aaron for joining me. Thank you. As always, don't forget, it is never too late to discover great music that's new to you. We'll see you next time. 